Welcome to the Cloud Security Mindset Podcast, where we explore how interesting security professionals think, to learn how they succeed, handle failure, and respond to the disruptive forces facing security today. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Cloud Security Mindset Podcast. And we're really excited to have a new guest this week, Jonathan Poling. Hey, Jonathan, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. And as always, Mike Rothman is here to co-host the show. Hey, Rich, uh, aren't they all new guests since this is kind of a new podcast? Oh, yeah. Thanks for that. Making me look bad again. Okay. (laughs) That's Mike's job. It is. It is. It's literally in the corporate operating agreement. Uh, We are pretty excited because uh, Jonathan is here. Now, we are recording before the RSA conference, but we met through this Amazon security or actually this cloud security Slack. And Jonathan was posting some really interesting things about cloud monitoring that showed kind of an understanding and a depth to cloud monitoring and learning and incident response that I don't really see everywhere. So I recruited Jonathan to actually speak at the RSA conference. So he's going to be doing a presentation. And I think, you know, after the conference, we'll probably do like a five minute follow up to see how everything went. Because, uh, Jonathan, you put in how many slides into your presentation? Oh, well, a little bit of a spoiler alert. It's over 100. So we're, we are going to attempt to be doing the impossible. Uh, you happen to be a New Yorker, Jonathan? Because you got to speak at that pace in order to get through 100 slides in 60 minutes. I'm, I'm, I can speak rather quickly. Um, I, I get this stuff down pat, uh, especially with a little bit of rehearsing. So it's, it, I, I don't think it'll be an issue. The, uh, you know, there's, there's two sides to it. One is uh, getting the material out. And more importantly, people actually enjoying it, finding it useful. That'll be that'll be more of the challenging part of a hundred plus slide presentation. But I have faith. I think we can do it. Well, having reviewed your presentation, I mean, it was just tremendous content. And it was after that review, I'm like, we got to get this guy in the show because I think there's a lot of really good information in there. But before I jump ahead of myself, let's let's just set up your background a little bit. And so you are a Managing Principal Consultant over at SecureWorks, focusing on data forensics and incident response. And you've got a long background in incident response. You've been doing this for, what, over 11 years now? That sounds about right. 11, 12, something like that. Yeah. Um, it's It's been literally my entire career. Uh, I I went to undergrad computer science, and, and at that point, there was an option to add computer security. So I was like, why not? And then that was when they were starting to develop more targeted curriculums for actual digital forensics. And so actually I only took one or two classes that were specific to digital forensics, uh, but it just keyed up my interest to, to really pursue that afterwards. So with, with that in mind, you know, I got my first job out of college, worked for department of energy, worked for them about five years, started in network security monitoring, transitioned over to the intelligence community a little bit, doing counterintelligence investigations, very eye opening, a lot of good, uh, a lot of good development and, and learning time through that portion of my career. And then I kind of wanted to get more on the, the leading edge, not be six months behind trying to, to go to company, private companies where things were hitting them and be months behind gathering the data and, and not being on the forefront. So stepped out of there and uh, came to SecureWorks. That's where I've been for over seven years now, the private sector space. Started as someone who just knew a decent amount about Windows and just taught myself a lot more about it through consulting engagements, hit the ground running. What next? Let me do Linux. And then what next? Let me do Mac. And then what next? Let me do cloud. And that's kind of what got me into cloud. And I had to pick one and I chose AWS and um, started there about five years ago, pursuing that and building that service line for us. And that's kind of what brings us to current. 
doing development of that here and there, kind of matrixing all over as kind of an IC for the for the company in terms of uh, working with other groups for uh, security, helping people understand the the client side of the products that we develop from a, from an incident response perspective, helping build those out, working as much on cloud as as humanly possible. Now you said something really interesting in there, which is you, you kind of you, you almost downplayed it. You you're like, well, I did Windows and then I did Unix and then I did cloud, and not one of those is necessarily an easy and straightforward transition. So. I, you know, because being the cloud security mindset po- uh, podcast, I want to focus a little bit on that that piece of it. What made you start thinking that you want to get out of operating systems and and look at cloud computing in the first place? Yeah, especially five years ago, because it was. I mean, you know, I guess folks that were in it could see that cloud was going to be a thing, but if you weren't, you know, just kind of just doing your your DFIR thing with some traditional platforms, you know, again, it's kind of a counterintuitive thing to say, I really want to, you know, understand how things are working in AWS. Right, right. You know, it was, uh, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, even being a subject matter expert, you know, any sort of quote expert, you know, in in one operating system um, is a a tall feat in itself. Um, But I've just always pushed myself beyond comfort. I I always want to be learning and doing more. uh, And whenever I feel a little too comfortable in something. I want to push myself outside those limits. And so fortunate enough, you know, there's there was at least three long-standing ecosystems, Windows, you know, Linux and Unix and, and Mac, to where I could really grow, you know, for the first, I'd say, three or four years, five years, seven years of my career. And as I as I progressed through those and, and kind of pushed myself toward understanding and researching everything humanly possible about them and understanding the forensic implications implications you know, as as you kind of master one, then you then you move on to the next. And I kind of found myself kind of toward the end of, you know, there, there's not a lot of earth shattering stuff uh, I'm going to be finding here. And I was doing a lot of engagements in all of them. And, and obviously, there is always more to learn, right? It, things are always changing. Things are always updating. You can you can do one operating system for the rest of your life, and and things are going to be adjusting and changing constantly. So there's there's always more stuff to learn and know. But but from a higher like macro level. You know, I, I'd kind of hit on the three major traditional operating systems, and we won't count uh, a few consulting stints doing mainframe OSs, which I prefer never to think about ever again. But past these traditional OSs, it's just, uh, you know, I'm like, what's the next frontier, right? And cloud's coming about, more people are using it. It's it's being talked about, hey, this this is the next frontier for, for operations. And I'm thinking, this is not a bad, I mean, if this is the next frontier for operations, you know, they're going. They're going to have incidents. They're going to have compromises, and they they need people. They need someone that understands it. That's going to help secure it and protect it, and and respond to incidents and help return to operations. So, AWS, I think, just happened to be getting the most traction at that time. And I said, that sounds great. I'm just going to dive in and see what I can learn about it. And you know, hit docs. You know, Amazon.com, and just went to town for months. And as I learned more, it it piqued my interest more, and it helped me understand. It, it was learning a new ecosystem, right? Which, in other words, is another operating system, right? It's essentially another layer on top of these other things. Because even if you can become expert in cloud security in one cloud, there are other clouds. And then also each of those clouds contain a multitude of traditional operating systems that are be, being run virtually, right? So it's these added layers of depth. And that that looked like a massive challenge to me. And it really excited me. And I just said, I'd, I'd like to pursue it. Business said, that makes sense. And you know, there we were 
and as I started developing more and doing more, we thought, you know, this is there's some real possibilities here. But it was just a lot of, you know, self-drive, self-identification of of what I want to work on next. You know, I'm getting a, a little bored and, and doing the traditional stuff. Let's kind of move to the quote, you know, next frontier of operations. So for you know, it sounds like you you went about this in a pretty deliberate way. And you were kind of looking for what was next and you you kind of solidified in cloud. Was there a, a precipitating event that changed how you like in my case it was I happened to be co-presenting with the, this guy Chris Hoff, and you know he was starting to talk about cloud stuff and the Cloud Security Alliance launched, and that raised my interest. And that was kind of the precipitating event that led me down this path. Was there anything that triggered in your brain? Was it uh, a work project, or was it something you read or heard? Something that really kind of said, "Hey, I, I, this is where I want to be," or was it that you kind of surveyed the landscape and you thought? That you know what clouds gaining traction. Let me check it out. I would say more of the latter. There, there wasn't one specific notable event. I well, not that I can recall at least. I, I just, as best as I can remember back to that time, it was the the cloud was was becoming more ubiquitous and it was becoming more prevalent in you know tech news and people discussing it and and how its possibilities and how people were using it and stuff. And it it was essentially just that. It appeared as such a land of opportunity for this new outlook and methodology of operations, and that was the initial peaking of interest. And and as I dove into the docs, which I spent months and months and months on just reading, I I started realizing how absolutely complex of a system this was already, and how much more complex it was going to be. And as we know, with complexity comes you know, great security slash insecurity aspects, right? And so, you know, and traditionally security is is a trade-off of, of some level of convenience, right? Convenience and security are intertwined, right? And, and they tend to, to you know, be, be the um, complement of each other. And so as I was seeing all of these complexities that were already present there, it just, something clicked in my head like this, this seems like a great opportunity to get out ahead in some regard of at least some set of people and say, hey, we're we're starting to understand the complexities of operations, but we haven't even begun to discuss the complexities of security. And that's what I want to focus on. I want to look at operations and say, wow, these are complex. And holy crap, the security aspects of this are even more complex. How are we going to understand this? How are we going to help people understand how to secure this infrastructure where there's basically just green fields, right? There, there's no playbook. There's no map for this, right? You can't take a, it's not like a new distribution of Linux where it's like, well, there's so many others. Yes, it's new, but there's a lot of commonalities here, right? It's, it's only going to be marginally different, right? You can't really, you couldn't really make that argument for cloud back then. And so it was this absolute green field and pasture that just really sparked a fire under me and said, this, this is an area I want to pursue. And obviously there's no guarantees, right? I could spend a lot of time researching it and find out there's no capability for the security I'd like to do. We can't turn or twist or touch a bunch of knobs. Um, it's going to be a vacuum of an ecosystem. You know, it was still developing. We didn't know how much hands-on there was going to be security-wise, how much would be built in, how much would be left to the end user. There was there was all of these unknowns. And while it was equally overwhelming, it was equally enticing and exciting to pursue it and see how far I could get and push the limits. And it just happened that as I was researching the leading edge and those limits, those leading edges were changing, you know, in, in lockstep. And so one month I understand this and the next month I come out with a new thing. And now I get to understand that and build that and 
how do we respond to that? And, and it just keeps going. I mean, you see they're still making releases every single month, all clouds. It's just, it's it's crazy. It's it's an absolute, you know, plethora of things to, to work on. I mean, clearly people spend their entire careers just focusing on a single cloud um, or multiple clouds or one aspect of the cloud, right? So the, the same things that scared me, excited me, that's how I knew it was kind of the right thing to pursue at that time. For a lot of people, there's a, a moment when you start understanding how different cloud is. Now, I've invited you here. I'm assuming you would agree. Yes. <laughs> Based on your statements. Yes. Yeah. And, and let me describe mine. So for me, it was, uh, I was building out, there were two things that happened early on when I was building out training programs for the Cloud Security Alliance. One was the first time I could use the cloud init. So put data into a user data field when I was launching an instance, and that thing would just configure itself, like that kind of automation. And then I could just link it to an S3 bucket. And then anytime I updated the file in my S3 bucket, any new instance I launched with that with that link would auto-configure itself. And this was before I was kind of starting to learn about Chef and Puppet and stuff. The other piece for me was just, it was the simplicity of security groups. When I realized that, oh, if I put these things in a security group and I connect them to each other, like you get this least privilege network by default. And even if all these things are in the same security group, they can't talk to each other unless you tell them they're allowed to talk to each other. Like the default rule is it's not like a subnet. And those were two things that really changed how I started to think about cloud. And I think put me on the journey to where, you know, where I am today, where it's basically my entire career. Was there anything specific like that? Things that stuck out that as you started crawling into those Amazon documents, your brain locked in on and said, wow, it's not just that this is like moving fast, has all these cool features, like this really is different at a fundamental level. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think it was paradigm shifts, just as like you started describing. So like the software defined network, right? So so reading the docs and understanding that allowing traffic in and out of a system would be defined at a layer above it through software that you just literally typed, add this rule, and it was implemented to anything that sat behind it, right? And so as I as I read and understood more about those different paradigms and how we, we would have to start rethinking about how we do basics of interconnectivity and basics of computation, it was, again, like this whole new realm. Like you, you get to restart thinking and, and redefine thinking about security as well. And so the same things that might have worked for you on-prem might work there, but they might not, right? But And how do they change? How are they different, right? And so it was it was not just understanding, this is a new way to, to, to do things and here's some capabilities, but it was so many paradigm shifts in, in one and one after the other. And you have to understand not only each of them, but how they interconnect and, and how they affect each other in parallel. And it was, again, like this, this star pattern. And, and as like someone who likes researching and, and understanding stuff and testing, like a star pattern, you know, in the early stages is like light up your eyes, right? There's, there's just so much green field and it's just like there's so much potential here to, to know and do and build. So the reading between the lines, it was not necessarily one individual aspect of cloud. For you, it was kind of like you sat back going, my God, it's full of stars. You saw all of these different approaches all over the place. Absolutely. And, and, and at the highest level, in, in my opinion, it, it was changing the entire landscape of, of how we how we do things um, at an operational level. And it, it, for me, was a chance to define and or redefine 
how we think about security and how we implement security and how we monitor and protect and, and how we respond to threats. And so um, as a person that, you know, thrives on on learning completely new ecosystems and, and you know, continuing to learn throughout his career, that w- it was just an absolute no-brainer for me. It's just the potential there was was way too much to to, to do to only do part-time or, or to ignore for, for a while. I knew that just as much potential as I saw in, in those new paradigms and, and green fields of, of operation, I knew if I was thinking that way, attackers also had to be thinking that way. And they were likely thinking about it well before me. So I knew this was going to be, in a sense, a race against time to, and I, and I say this you know, in, in presentations about doing incident response in AWS and, and, and any sort of cloud, really, the, the same things that allow you to do things incredibly easy operationally are the same things that allow attackers to do things incredibly easy operationally. So, you know, it's a it's that double-edged sword. The the hardest part, I think, you know, with, with this highly complex ecosystem or ecosystems is figuring out a way to harness to fully harness all that power for yourselves while fully preventing the harnessing of all that power for for people that should not have it and it's clearly not a very straightforward methodology or or outlook on how to do that right which is which is why we're here which is why companies are still struggling with uh locking things down and implementing least privilege and preventing compromises i mean with great you know power comes great responsibility right and and the cloud providers are very clear you know we're we're responsible for security you know, of the cloud, and you're responsible for security in the cloud, right? And I think that's a very poignant thing to to keep in mind as you develop in the cloud. Now, you're you're saying this though, but we're five years in for your journey, uh, maybe even a little bit longer. What in the early days? So you're sitting back, and and again, I'm trying to get inside the head, inside your head a little bit. You're seeing all these opportunities and all of these differences, and, and for you, it sounds like it was an aggregate. Of those, and you mentioned a few things: uh, software-defined networks being a big one versus regular networks. And uh, I think you're hinting at, you know, kind of the software-defined everything, the the APIs and the pace of change. From a security standpoint, and with your background, particularly around the incident response pieces and and very operating system level focus, what were say the first couple of things you saw as security advantages of cloud, not just the risk? when you were kind of going through that initial research process? As I was going through the initial research process, it was it, it was eye-opening the the complexity in, in terms of the, the number of services and capabilities and how much you could modify or configure them just by pointing and clicking, right? And well obviously there's there's command line, you know, interfaces and capabilities and APIs and stuff, but but just from purely as someone who's new to it, they could sign up, they could go and they could click on literally, let's say, 25 services, and I could start them and implement them and get them going by just clicking a few buttons. And that was amazing to me. That that was incredible. And and obviously, it's amazing to a lot of people because that's you know some of the beauty of of cloud operations is that it doesn't take ordering server hardware and configuring it and dedicating someone full time to making it operational like. For various things, we're, we're down to point-and-click operations, right? To obviously oversimplify a lot of stuff, but that in turn sparked the security aspect of my brain, saying, "Traditionally, we have so much problem, or, or so many problems." And this is especially from a consulting perspective. You are 
outside of these people's environments. They're coming to you. They're saying, these things are a problem. We need help with this and we need it done, you know, now. Right. And so when people call us up, you know, they're, they're not having a good day. They're calling us up on their worst days. Right. And the house is on fire and time is of the essence. Right. And so as I, as I thought through this and these traditional problems, it, it really, you know, a light bulb went off and said, Maybe we maybe we can make security easier in the cloud too. Maybe we can harness these same functionally easier paradigms and say, if it's as easy as clicking add for a security group to allow traffic, we could do the same for not. And so it's like, okay, so how would we do that? Okay, well, you know, here's how you block traffic, you know, from a security group level. Well, okay, but inside of a VPC, it's like, okay, so now we have the concepts of subnets, software defined, and traditionally when a system's compromised, you want to isolate it, right? But you don't want to necessarily kill it. You want to preserve all the data that's on it. You want to preserve the active network connections. You know, it's, it's we, we don't want to just do dumb shutdown, you know, re-imaging and moving on where we don't learn anything. And so looking at the cloud where I could create this, you know, VLAN isolation concept with a few clicks, I could pre-configure it for the traffic I want to let in and out, and I can take a compromised system and with, again, oversimplifying a few clicks, I can isolate that system from everything else. I can mitigate the risk and compromise while not sacrificing valuable data, right? That's like the holy grail of incident response, right? Mitigating the threat while not losing any valuable data and continuing to collect data from the system's current operations. So imagine just pointing and clicking or, or automatically being able to move a system to isolation where it's saying, hey, the risk is mitigated. Don't worry about this moving laterally the rest of your network. But at the same time, we're not stopping anything from happening. We can continue to observe this. We can look at the network traffic. We can collect stuff as we're interrogating it and see what is it doing, right? What is it What is it actively trying to do? We can gain even more intelligence from doing that. And doing that on-prem is not an easy task, right? It is, it is extremely hard. And so looking at the cloud, I saw opportunities to do these things that were traditionally extremely difficult with you know extreme relative ease and that's when things started really kind of moving with me it's like hey if we can do this for one thing we can probably do this for a lot of things like we can really cut down our, our time to response time to containment time to return to operations like all of this stuff seems like it could be drastically reduced by by utilizing the cloud and and really harnessing these these new paradigms paradigms and methods of operation jonathan how do you communicate that to most of the folks you're working with, right? I mean, we saw the same thing. What was it, Rich? 2014, right? And we started prototyping some technology because it was just obvious that the things that you could do in cloud made some of these traditional security operational motions, incident response uh, being one of them, um, just dramatically, and I don't want to say easier, right? It's never easy, but, you know, kind of a lot of the front end work that really makes it hard and time consuming could be automated, could be scripted out, uh, really facilitated from, from the standpoint of, as you mentioned, right? Not interrupting, you know, kind of the flow of the application or the flow of the user, yet not also sacrificing your ability to gather the information that you need 
for a full forensics uh, type of environment. Uh, you know, what we found is that, you know, yeah, sure, it was obvious to us, but there were a whole mess of people who were like, dude, you're talking some foreign language to me, right? I have no idea what it is that you're saying um, because they had been schooled in a way to do things that was so structured and, uh, you know, really not flexible that they really had a hard time getting their arms around how some of these operational motions had to change. I mean, did you have a hard time communicating how cool this stuff was to those groups that, you, you know, again, we're just like, what are you talking about, man? This is the way the application is, is architect. You know, I, I think it's, it was dif- it's difficult to convey in, in the same sense that it's difficult to convey how to properly harness the cloud. And I think a lot of people are still having these discussions about how, how, how do you best leverage the cloud? And there's, there's not necessarily a, a one-size-fits-all sort of thing. And I think for a while early on, there was the concept of cloud will will make operational overhead lower. You don't have to worry about physical assets depreciating or whatever, and it's easier to move infrastructure. So there's a lot of this lift and shift mentality early on, which you which you see as a result this this mul- many organizations being multi-cloud, right? And it's not necessarily that they made a purposeful, informed, long-term decision early on that multiple clouds make sense for us. For many, they wanted to enter into the cloud and start doing things and start harnessing it and figuring out, does this work for me? And, and you know, as as you can expect with the multiple clouds, you probably want to try all of them out. Which one's going to work for me, right? And so I'll move some stuff into here. I'll lift and shift this. I am impressed at, at how deliberate you described. That. Yeah, right. You know, it's, it's you know, you, you want to try it out. The, the problem is, right, and as they say, prototypes always last the longest, right? And so it's like now you you started doing stuff five years ago in these clouds. I've worked with different customers of different sizes and, you know, even some large ones that will, will say that 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 shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be operating there and we shouldn't have it there, but it makes too much revenue to take it away. So we can't change it. So that's just is what it is. Like that's where it's operating from, right? We got to work around it, right? And so we're, we're dealing with kind of the fallout of early cloud adoption when there wasn't necessarily a clear strategy for adoption. There were some ideas and what some people were doing. And while a lift and shift may make sense for one organization, it may not make sense for, for the other. And, you know, in the early days, there wasn't, there, there wasn't a lot of, of runway to flesh that out, right? It's it's a fairly nascent ecosystem, right? You know, a lift and shift is going to save you money. If you see seven articles on that, you're going to lift and shift because, you know, it's like putting a new drug out on the market before testing. It's like, it solves this issue, but we, we don't, we don't, we haven't had it or observed it long enough to really know what the downsides of that are going to be. There may be none, but there may be some, right? And only time will tell us, right? And so I think currently we're, we're dealing with a lot of like multi-cloud issues because of early adoption where toes got dipped into the water, things got developed, a lot of shadow IT happened, which still is unfortunately a case. And now companies are kind of forced to support multi-cloud. And I'm not, I'm not talking like you're in AWS and you have O365 or something like that. I'm not talking that. I'm talking like, you know, applications and, and business parts are operated, you know, they're, they're running Kubernetes out of, out of Google Cloud because, you know, maybe that was an early leader that made the most sense, but they have a bunch of operations and applications running in AWS because they get to turn more knobs and devs like that. And that's where they wanted to build. And oh, by the way, they're running Active Directory, you know, out of Microsoft because that's an easy on-prem to cloud connection and then O365 and it's like take a step back and you're like how do I how do I harness this right and it's like what, what's interesting is is 
this is something I'm writing just this week, uh, actually, uh, writing a, a bunch of blog posts in, into a paper around this. But I want to expand a little bit and, and get your thoughts on this. You, you keep going back and saying early on, early on for this whole people getting pulled into multi-cloud. And that was one of the pushes for the RSA talk. I'm like, hey, can you do multi-cloud monitoring, not just single cloud monitoring? But what I'm also finding is a recent trend is merger and acquisition activity. Like it's not just developers doing things in other areas, but it's a company's all in on Amazon. They really get their policies and everything locked down. And then they buy somebody, you know, some little startup that is uh, got a bunch of stuff in Azure. Right. Yeah. And so as the maturity has increased, there were purposeful decisions to do that. And they all made sense, you know, atomically. But as you start putting them together, for example, like you say, mergers and acquisitions, or as technology evolves and you say, now it just makes more sense to, to do this in the cloud. And, and it might not be in the cloud in which we traditionally develop and build applications. And I think O365 is, is a great example. Like, you know, you can be all in on AWS or GCP or whatever, but it still makes a lot of sense to, to utilize O365 for, for email operations, not not counting the, the suite of, of applications that might go along with the Microsoft ecosystem, but that still makes sense, right? And so while from a from a best practice perspective, or, you know, so, some idealistic perspective that you should only be in one cloud and focus on that and focus on doing it well, that, that makes sense uh, academically, right? But empirically, that's just not going to be the case. And so, you know, you can you can sit up here like on a pedestal and be holier than thou and be like, thou shalt not, but there's no point, right? You, you don't want to die on that hill. Like the, the point is, it happens. It makes sense in certain regards. In some sense, it definitely, some situations it doesn't. But the point is, it, it is what it is, and, and it's happening, and it's here, and it's going to continue to happen for a while. So how do we start thinking more agnostically? We're kind of going through some of the same transitions and, and paradigm shifts from when Mac started coming more onto the scenes, right? And so more companies are having, you know, traditionally, maybe they'd have a bunch of Windows systems, or traditionally, they'd we can go back to, you know, one quote traditional sense of like, our user, you know, workstations are Windows, our servers are Linux, right? And that's our infrastructure. And so you you build these these capabilities and that's kind of like the traditional accepted standard rollout. And then Mac starts coming onto the scene saying, hey, we're servers, but also we're we're for end users as well. Like we have a lot of these mobile systems that are great and people start adopting it. And now you have companies you've got to assist that they're like, yeah, every one of our users has a, a MacBook, right? And by the way, we're not running, you know, Linux infrastructure on-prem. We're running it in the cloud. Try and apply your traditional, you know, security protection and, and monitoring solutions when you have only MacBook endpoints and uh, we're using G Suite for all of our email, right? Like these these sort of newer, less less traditionally thoroughly, you know, fleshed out things of like, well, that's a bread and butter. We know how to do that. Like it's it, it was a lot of big shifts, and you know, as we go in the cloud. And as more people adopted it, we're doing the same thing. I mean, how, how are we how are we going to deal with the, those shifts? You brought up an interesting point, and I want to close out this episode with that before we move on to our next episode and, and kind of digging in deep into your specialty areas. What you just told me was that cloud broke a lot of our assumptions and patterns. It broke our ability to say, we're going to have this, and we're going to have this, and that's the way it's going to be. Right. Do you think as we're transitioning to cloud, because we're still in this mix, that the end state of this will be another set of assumptions? Or do you think that, and, and we're going to force you to give me a quick answer on this one, a short answer. Do you think that those assumptions are broken forever? That we'll never be able to go back to saying, you know, all desktops are this and all servers are this and all of our clouds going to be this cloud and not that cloud? 
judging on history, everything is not everything. Many things are cyclical. I could imagine this coming back around and what's old is new again, what's new is old again, right? But the point is, this has been a major shift and, and we address it for now. And, and as things change and if the cycle starts coming back around, then then we adjust again to, to figure opposite wise, how do we then shift from cloud back into on-prem? And a while ago, this whole like store stuff in the cloud early on, and I was like, but why can't the cloud be on-prem? Like if you understand the technical things, like the cloud is just someone else's computer, well, why can't someone else's computer still be on my network sort of thing? And so you kind of see that stuff kind of coming back around. So I'll, I'll cut my answer there because I know we're short on time. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think we'll likely come back around when and how, I don't know. But the important part is is being open to it, seeing it and trying to account for it, you know, especially from a security perspective. No, thanks, Jonathan. That was great. And uh, before we end this episode, I want to thank our sponsor for this week, DisruptOps, for your cloud security operations. And you can go to the site, disruptops.com, and get a lot more information. Let's close out this episode, and we'll see everybody next week when we finish up our interview with Jonathan. All right. Talk to you then. <laughs>